Blog Talk Radio.
and better love. Thanks for listening to the Truth to Power show. My name is Beverly, and we have some guests with us tonight. We have Renee Hamilton, and he also have uh, David Higgs. And so this should be very interesting, the hidden financial law and rule that rules the world. Excuse me. So uh, let me uh, bring Renee Hamilton up. Hi, Renee. How are you doing this evening? Hey, how you doing, Beverly? Thank you so much for having Great. us on the show again. Appreciate it. Excellent, excellent. I appreciate y'all being here. Uh, before I bring your guests up, can you let the people know uh, who you are and where they can reach you? Certainly. Uh, my name is, uh, well, you can call me Renee Hamilton. Um, I'm been interested in metaphysics my whole life and uh, being able to sort of train myself with uh, 
with, uh, I guess you can say, uh, training myself to observe reality and nature and kind of see how it works from behind the scenes and have the natural ability to see certain types of energy that are more subtle. So, um, yeah, I've been uh, using that uh, understanding to create all sorts of interesting interdimensional devices and artwork uh, that's able to help transform and uh, move us to a higher state of understanding. So uh, I do a lot of talking as well uh, about my about my observations. So you can reach me uh, on my website at innersoultech.com, I-N-N-E-R-S-O-U-L-T-E-C-H, innersoultech.com. You can also see uh, my YouTube videos at youtube.com forward slash inner soul tech and also on Facebook. Uh, you can reach me at uh, Renee Hamilton. That's R-E-N-E-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N. And you'll see my nickname, which is Star Child, right next to Renee Hamilton. And you'll know that's the correct person. Yeah, that's how you can Excellent. reach me. Excellent. Now we're going to uh, bring your guests on. Uh, greetings. Thanks for joining us this evening. Thanks, Beverly. I guess it's our first uh, encounter. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh, kind of tell the people, people who you are and how they can contact you before we get started. Well, I don't really have a contact, per se. I mean, I sort okay, of okay. kept myself uh, learning the law so that I can share it with others. It's more or less I started uh, a YouTube channel, um, and that's mm-hmm. under uh, its, I guess its tag would be the English Law Series, and I've done over, well, close to 70 videos, I believe, and it would be under Niceum, that's N-Y-C-E-I-M, Sui Juris would be the, um, my name or, that I use uh, on, um, on YouTube. YouTube. Okay. I, do, I do a lot of videos on uh, sort of walking people through the beginnings of English law and how they're, you know, interacting within it and what it's doing to us now currently and how we're working towards of how to get out of it. All righty. Well, um, you guys got the floor. I'm, I'm all ears. We're ready to learn this and understand <laughs> it. <laughs> Hey, Renee, how you doing? I'm an excellent, my friend. All is well. And, uh, yeah, the the stars are aligned tonight, so I'm glad we're here to uh, talk and share all sorts of really interesting topics with, uh, with the public today. Um, some very, um, I guess you can say it's information that we just don't hear on a regular basis and, and not even, it's nothing I've even heard uh in 20, 30 years of studying all sorts of different uh, types of law and types of philosophies, uh, philosophies surrounding law. So um, it's, this information is out there. It's just not readily uh, understood. So it's not something that's, that's really presented to us on a day-to-day basis. So David has been really, you know, put together something special and in a way that uh, the everyday layman person can to understand these complex or sometimes complex uh, um, codes and um, wording and teachings uh, that are based in the legal system and 
really put it down in a down-to-earth manner that we all can understand. So it's been a it's a gift for him to translate all this into a way that that we can absorb this because this goes back uh, quite a ways, and there's a lot of there's a lot of intricacies involved in all this, and uh, the ability to simplify this is is amazing. So yeah, Dave, uh, look forward to uh, what you have to say tonight. It's pretty interesting uh, experience you've had. Sure. Well, you know, I, I don't, it's, I may be able to converse it, but, you know, the lingo or the language that the law uses is, there's a lot of people haven't heard it this way. So, you know, they can't be faulted for that because it is going to be new language. And, you know, even though I may be thinking I'm, I'm you know, I'm saying it simply, there's a lot of levels to it. And it's, it, I am being direct in what I'm saying, but you generally have to have a little bit more, I know, comprehension of, the language they use in the law so that when you, when, if you listen to this once, twice, three times, whatever, uh, and then you can start looking into the law books, you'll see, um, you know, the connection with what I was talking about. So it is quite complex, but that's the whole thing. It's only complex because it's the amount of beliefs I always say that we have. And it's really, that's the only problem. It's, it's all about, you know, a, a while back, I adopted the adage that uh, whenever I come across a belief, I first of all let it go, because if it is the truth, it always stays with me. Yeah. And that, it's a belief that is is the problem. We have all these different beliefs about the legal system and the law that we're filtering everything through, and those are uh, mismanaged filters. Uh, and until we let go and re- you know willing to let go of everything we've learned. It's going, to be, it's going to be that much arduous to, to learn. Now, I do have a little bit of house cleaning to do before we begin, uh, if I may. Absolutely. Sure, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, when I decided to do this call, I thought I was going to be doing this call from home, but uh, subsequently a friend of mine uh, entered the hospital, had some animals, and so I'm at their place. I'm not really sure how their phone service works and stuff like that. So hopefully... Uh, it's going to be clear, and, and we're not going to have any um, any uh, disruptions. And uh, secondly, and being at a different house, I don't know who may drop in, but I have a, a buddy that showed up uh, with me and brought some cold ones as well to help me out with the with the throat because we're dealing with uh, fires here, so we got a lot of smoke. And uh, but I don't know if you know if anybody's going to stop in, so there might be a little bit of interruption. So I'm just just letting you know that that might happen in in case. Uh, um, uh, but like I said, my friend's here, so he's going to try to run uh, interference for us. And uh, well, what else? That, that's that's okay. about being live. We're live, so this is yeah. what you <laughs> Anything could happen. <laughs> yes. And you That's know exactly. what? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I know how. And I shared, I tried to share this link on, on Facebook. And, you know, here we are with Big Brother already. I tried to share, mm-hmm. this is the time in a week. I try to also share a Forbes magazine article, and this is what's come up now. And it says, this post can't be shared in response to the Canadian government legislation news content wow. can't So now this blog talk yeah. can't be shared. Yeah, right. I tried to share it as well, and, uh, and I could not share the blog post. In fact, I went back in my YouTube history, oh, sorry, not YouTube, Facebook history, and I couldn't mm-hmm. even find one post uh, of, of my blog talk on there. Uh-oh. I I don't know, but their 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 search function changed a while ago and started making things less easy to find. And I don't know if it's still there or it's just gone because I can't find even one of them. 
Mm. Yeah, well, well, you know, this talk is coming at at the opportune time because we've got to wake up and we've got to make some drastic changes in our lives or it's going to catch up to us and we're going to be pulled in the other direction, kicking and screaming. So uh, mm-hmm. we got to get our, our, you know, our shit together, really. Yes. Well, that's what we're doing. That's what we're here for. Yeah, and the yeah, last thing, uh, Renee, it's going to be a little bit of you know plug for you. Uh, I did buy some of that cream, and I love it. It's it's amazing, um, you know, just the uh, how fast it absorbs into your skin. I noticed a, a, a great difference. And my roommate, she tried it, and she was amazed how fast it absorbs, and uh, you can feel the difference immediately. So I wanted to give you a little plug on that. Oh, awesome. Oh, thank, thank, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. In fact, you know what? Uh, I actually use that for my shaving cream now. Um, oh, really? It's, it's yeah. way better than anything I've ever used before, for sure. Uh, I just started a few months ago, but it's I was using something else uh, called Alba shaving gel for like 10 years, and then, and then I tried mine, and I was like, whoa. So now I'm, yeah, I'm using that. So new new way to use it as well, for sure. Okay, well, I'm done on my end for health cleaning, so we can begin yeah. next time, I guess. Okay, Sounds let's good. dive in. Okay. So, is there a question <laughs> or anything you to start from? Or well, do you well, want me to? well, we got to listen, and then, you know, people call in, and so if some, we have questions, they'll raise their hand. Well, sure, well, I'll just start off with uh, we've all heard okay. about in the past uh, couple of years uh, ago, there started to be a lot of talk about financial resets, uh, the world uh, economic form, uh, the Bank of International Settlements, changing the money system. I even saw a commercial in Canada here from some uh, legislative part of the government talking about how the, uh, the money system needs to be um, upgraded for this new you know era and who better to trust than the banks to do it and uh, they're going to implement some, so on, uh, some different measures or whatever and uh, yeah so there's basically you know a changing money system because we all saw back in the 80s when they started to promote the interact system um, so a lot of people now are using the interact and uh, that's putting money more into the digital realm versus the uh, cash. And uh, we just see different money policies happening that are making the average uh, public uh, less and less wealthy. And this uh, a lot of wealth seems to be aggregated in more corporate, uh, governmental, uh, industrial uh, sectors rather than the the average everyday person seems to find it harder and harder to sort of hold on to their assets. So, uh, you know, there's there's definitely more to this that Dave may able to uh, shed some light upon. Certainly. Well, maybe we can start off with this. Um, I don't know what the listeners have are their thoughts about the law, but let me let I'm, I'm going to let you on a little bit of a secret. The law is perfect. There is nothing wrong with the law. The issue, of course, is our misunderstanding of what the law is. In fact, no one, in fact, I mean, I could say maybe a handful of people can even discuss the law right now. 
people are discussing equity, they're dealing with the legal system, they're trying to create affidavits of life, they're trying to create new citizenships, uh, they are, you know, engaging in uh, court actions, um, you know, based on I'm a living man, and all these different, different attempts at trying to get some sort of redemption or remedy for what we already can inherently know that we are, but we just don't know how to exercise that right. And the law has actually secured that right, but no one is in it. In fact, since 1925, the entire system has been managed under a trust for sale system. Okay, and if you look to the Land and uh, Estate Property Acts, the Settle Land Act, and we'll get into that a little bit, uh, most certainly because that's our warranty. And then there's the Law of Property Act and the Trustee Act and the Administration Act, and all of that happened in 1925. And what that did was introduce the, a new system in which to uh, intercourse under a trust for sale system. So the entire government, or all the governments, parliament and government, are under this trust for sale scheme who are using our legal estate that was created at birth. And if we actually go back to that and deal with that legal estate, work on vesting that legal estate, and it's in the common law, that's the English common law, not the territorial common law that each country has, it's the English common law, and we go back to that, then we're dealing strictly with the sovereign who is the fidei commissium or fiduciary trustee, if you, want, if you will, that holds our legal estate in confidence, but also holds the entire law. And that's why the monarchy, monarchy can do no wrong, because all they're doing is holding the law. The public action that you are seeing, coordination oaths and everything else, that's for the public, that's for the citizens, that's for the government. That's all show. All the world's a stage, and we're just merely the players. So all of it is show. So... We've got to get back to the private. We've got to get back to the law. And most importantly, because the law secures each individual's rights. Okay, now this is really important. The individual is that which is not belonging to any sort of group. Because a group, as soon as you create it, it's a fiction of law. Okay, obviously, because it comes from the minds of men. So the individual is where the law protects you and secures you. And when you're using it, now you're outside of a group, and then at that point, you're dealing strictly through a operation of law, which has evolved since, well, say, A.D. 1066 and William the Conqueror until now. And, in fact, we are all secured. We're perfect. We've got, we got, in fact, we're at top of the world, and that's what I always say. I'm always on top of the world. I am more powerful than any other title in the world. Why? Because I'm in the law. They're under trust, and so therefore they're using equity. And what is equity? Equity is essentially, it evolved from people, well, it would be lords at a, at a time that wanted to circumvent the common law, because the common law was very strict. It was an individual agreement between barons and tenants and captives and uh, tenants and chief that provided a service. And that's where we get the word fee. And if you know that today, we got fee simple absolute, okay? That's an equity-based uh, property right or state right. 
but phi is how we began, whereby the honor-based system was evolved to common law, and that was between those tenants, uh, which were barons and lords, that had an agreement with the king specifically to provide night service or uh, they would provide, uh, you know, certain wares or they would provide uh, certain agriculture and stuff like that. And they were given large manors. And then the baron would have lords underneath them that would sort of manage those underneath. And those underneath never were, had any rights to the common law. Now, having said that, that means the majority of the people, being peasants and slaves and villages, villainous, and uh, what else? There's, there's more than a few other labels that they were called at that time, were bound to rules based on what the manor, um, you know, uh, adhered to. So you, if you had a problem, you had to go to the, your baron or your uplink, your lord, and go to that court system. And you didn't have any rights in common law because that was only for the barons and the lords. So your real direct link was the, the Roman church. In fact, the Roman church is, where Cambridge and Oxford came from, and that's where all the lawyers came from. And that's all equity. They're corporations. They, can't, they don't have individual rights because they're not recognized, they weren't recognized in common law. Only, like I said, individual agreements were. So that evolved over time where lords later on didn't want to be stuck to the incidents, like taxes today, like wardship, and um, there was death taxes. Well, in fact, it's actually most of it was all death that the, the new heir had to pay. And all things at that, or all manners at that point had to be settled, even, uh, you know, like wardship. So you would control who gets who and marries who, okay? And these lords wanted to control an interest for their other members, like maybe the second son or third you know, son, because it always went to the first son. It's called a you know, primogeniture. And a lot of, the, of course, the daughters didn't get any, uh, <laughs> any rights, uh, and that's why it was great to marry into uh, somebody that was already a lord. And they had to um, say, you know, not being that they were so restrictive, even if their wives weren't getting anything, they started trading, transferring their title, which is the illegal estate, okay, into a what's called a fiat fee, which is essentially a trustee today, and that fiat fee would hold a legal title. Therefore, actually, there'd be more than one fiat fee because the more fiat fees you had, the less likely, of course, somebody's going to die. So you didn't have to deal with a common law interest and the incidents and those fiatis would split the legal title so nobody would die, and then the Lord would come in under as a beneficiary to that title, so that became really the interest of equity and the evolution of courts and chancery. Mm-hmm. Now, isn't there a oh. difference between <laughs> legal and lawful? Sorry? Legal and, isn't there a Is there difference, difference between, between legal, legal and lawful? And law. Yeah. Okay, well, again, now, uh, everything is legal in the system because we're dealing under a trust. We're dealing in equity. The law is different. different Can we just just pause for a second and just define what a trust is? Oh, okay. A trust essentially is when you take the legal title and you transfer it into a trustee who administrates over that legal title, and it becomes the principle that's held. It cannot be touched. And 
from there, then that title is the trustee allows to be created therefrom an equitable right to use of that title. Therefore, you get the beneficiary beneficial interest. So if you work the land, you receive the profits, but you had to pay a rent and all that kind of stuff uh, against the legal estate to which went into the trust and where the, uh, the trustee managed that or administrated over that. Okay, okay. Okay, so let's 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 give an example in, in like today. Let's just say that I'm a wealthy landowner and I know I'm gonna die soon or something and I wanna make sure my family has the land and all the tractors and all that kind of stuff. So what how, how what would I like what would that look like? Mm. Well that would look like the um Okay, see, now we're, we're already talking two parts of law here, and this is why it gets a little convoluted. The only way that you could actually deal with any, anything under trust is equity. It's not the common law, because the common law holds that legal estate. That's the thing that just held in trust. So it would be, okay. if we're talking in the way that you're speaking to, through a will, okay, and that's, again, through yeah. equity, the settler or the, the grantor would create a will and, you know, say that he wanted his estate to be transferred to so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and it would be up to the trustee to ensure that that was, his wishes were executed. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So they're, now, they're just basically ad, administrators of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, the trustee. we're all under administration right now, all of it. Like I said, if government doesn't own any land. No one owns any land in the context of well, the way we're speaking um, of how we conceive ownership. See, even when I, when I remember I spoke at the very beginning, yeah, there's a lot of information in between, of course. Uh, I said tenants and captee, tenants and chief. Well, that's the highest you could hold in land ownership is a tenant. In fact, everyone listening and anyone not listening, whether you're a citizen or not, you have to be a tenant first. You cannot be seen in English law anywhere versus English common law or equity without being a tenant. And it's called a tenant for life. And that's how we bring in the legal estate, through the tenancy. And no one has ownership in the concept that people are thinking ownership. Because... Let's face it, you know, we go back to there's laws of nature, and I call that non-agreement, and then there's natural law, to which then we all interact inherently, how we should act between each other. And then there's, and in any one of those instances, there would have never been a originating document that gave one person a right to a section of land to the exclusion of someone else. It doesn't exist because all the earth was here before anyone was, you know, essentially born. So there is no foundation document what they did was create a land right and then the land right became that interest the action of ownership giving you a right over an interest you don't own the earth you don't own the soil no one does you own the rights to a rule of action over the um, the land interest that you're holding now it's all dependent are you holding on the first level which would be subject you're holding on the second level, which would be parliament and government, or you're holding on the third level, which, of course, would be the citizen. Actually, right now, I'm moving into the fourth level, and we'll get into that. Okay. So there's three okay. levels right now. There's the, uh, there's the um, subject. That's the top, topper or upper tier 
then the Lord. The government. Yeah. But the Lords? Yeah, the subjects, Lords. Anybody that's subject to the, the great to the sovereign under common law would be, yeah. it's the Lord, it's the Lord's spiritual, Lord's temple in Parliament. Okay. Yeah. Now, here, here in the States, from my understanding, is that we're not dealing with government. We're, these uh, entities that's calling themselves governments are corporations. And the only government that we have really is the post office. Uh, the Postmaster General. So I don't know how it is in Canada, but we're dealing with corporations. And corporations, you know, everything is commercial. And we're, and it's all, this is done by the banking system. The banking system. Have you, have you heard, okay. have you heard of the Universal Postal Union, Dave? Yeah, I have. I don't put a lot of attention into that. Again, I just follow what okay. the law is. Um, okay, gotcha. Because the fact is, you can, most cases, if you're dealing, here it is. It doesn't matter what government it is. You're dealing mm-hmm. uh, with a entity, a proprietorship that has a second level of use to land, and it's under a trust. That's paramount. Therefore. All of its equity and the common law that we everybody says we shouldn't be using common law, and they're always they're stuck on the the you know the, the beauty and the language and everything else, the spirit of the law using equity, but and they're they're not understanding what the common law is. I explain the common law in as much as it began with you know AD 1066 and personal agreements, and they're based on individual agreements, not a group concept. Everything in government is based on a group concept. So therefore, it's a fiction of law, and thereby you're dealing in equity. So each territory, and that's why there's 14 crowns, each territory has their own common law, but it all follows and annex to English common law, all of it. doesn't matter either states, Canada, Australia, doesn't matter. You are, if you look in, uh, Bear, if you look into the origins, I think the two books that came across the, the ocean uh, to the new to the Americas was the Bible and Blackstone's commentaries. Blackstone's commentaries is your go-to book because it actually lays out. He was commissioned. I think it was like ten edits. He was commissioned to lay down what the law was until up until that time, and that's the basis of all of our governmental systems. Is this something oh, like uh, the Black Law? book that's here that we use here no don't get confused with the black's law dictionary i mean that's that's good right. and the fourth okay okay this is okay. blackstone commentaries he was okay. uh, around the later 18th century he was commissioned to write the entirety of law and it's he doesn't mix words when you get to read law properly you can see that every sentence says everything it needs to say um and it doesn't it, i say it, it doesn't confuse the issue but we confuse it based on our levels of comprehension of what we think law is. Again, law is perfect. It's our, we're moving in opposition always to law. We're getting stuck in equity. We're getting to commercial redemption processes, banking, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the world board game. That's the what working? The board game. I call it the board game. It's, it's, you're essentially picking up a token, moving around the board, and trying to bankrupt your neighbor. 
That's what you're doing. In fact, Monopoly. what they're doing right now is they're moving all property rights back in the box. So that's what's happening right now with all this scandemic and climate change and all that because nobody understands the law. They're actually selling the trust for sale that began in 1925. They're moving to a fourth level of a trust called a trust of lands, and they're moving everything back into the box. And no one's, you're going to own nothing and be happy. Gotcha. So, so basically, the, the 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 terms of equity are changing. The terms equity is is arbitrary in its nature anyway, because that's to use a counselor. Yeah. Or sorry, a chancellor. chancellor, chancery. Okay, so it's one up to one judge uh, to make a decision based on you know past experience, but mostly to interpret statute law. But it's arbitrary. It's up to each judge. He might give you 10 years or for one thing if he's in a bad mood, and next, next time the same thing happened, one year. And he's there to listen to that, uh, uh, to, to listen to, based on the spirit of how the, he sees the parties interacting and how they're set up in the agreement. And equity is always steadfast is going to be in regards to rules of action over property, but the property is moving to, like, more like saying you're moving to a new constitution. The new constitution would be the 15-minute cities. That will be the mm-hmm. new foundation for property rights. So now everybody will be unmasked in those, uh, in those areas, and then they will be, you know, set up new statutory laws, again, new different um, you know, means of which to intercourse with your neighbor. And, of course, when I talk intercourse, I'm talking not in the... <laughs> Physical. No, we know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, so we are... So all that's going to happen is now trustees are going to control everything now because the beneficiaries, us, haven't really done anything properly. We haven't used the law or the trust. So they're going to control everything, usurp all the property rights that everybody's got, and then they're going to now manage it under these new 15-minute cities, therefore new constitutions, new rights, new laws, new everything else. Just like it started mm-hmm. in 1925, same thing. It was, you know, I would say 99-year lease, going to end in 2024, and mm-hmm. that the, they've got to settle everything, all the accounting and all the enfranchisements, being the citizens, have to be accounted for and, you know, ever how they're going to do that, right? Gotcha. So, so well, is, is there um, – you mentioned, you mentioned 2024. Is, do you feel there's some sort of a deadline for them to do all this accounting? Is it before a certain time? Yeah, I, we can see it. I, I You know, I, I wrote back in April 2020 that this was all, uh, you know – if I can say it, I don't know, because st- as soon as you start using the V word, sometimes you get blocked, so I'll just watch what I say there. There's no such thing as a thing that everybody has been scared of, okay? It doesn't exist in nature. So what I'm trying to say is they used that. They started that back in, 18, in the mid-1800s. They started this concept uh, through Louis Pasteur, uh, creating the idea of germ theory. That's, that's bogus. That's the fictional world that created that instrument, so that when we come into it, can control societies, and so that when we come to a time like this, they can use that instrument in order to get people to do what they want them to do. So 
of course, if somebody knocked on your door, the government knocked on your door and say you, you, know, you didn't have a mortgage, you're up to date on your taxes and everything else, you're enjoying life, you got a nice fat bank account, and all of a sudden you got your agent knocking on the door and saying, oh, uh, excuse me, you got to move into a 50-minute city, uh, you're going to probably you know, find your firearm and, and start you know, talking with it, right? So they, in order to obviously uh, prevent and keep the peace and move according to law, therefore settling the trust, they just create all these instruments, these facades like climate change and all that kind of thing to get people to be acclimatized to a theory that doesn't really exist in nature. There's no such thing as a V in nature. It doesn't exist. Again, we're not dealing with nature. We're not dealing with laws of nature or natural law. We're dealing with equity, and equity is a fiction. It's, it, it manages fictions of law under a trust. So we're all dealing in, you know, in the abstract, everything. Everything you've learned in science and all that is pretty much bogus, all your education, all that. Throw it out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crazy. So the, so the, so the fiction, so the fiction is, deals with equity exclusively. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, anytime you put it, okay, put it this way, you and I uh, make an agreement. Well, that agreement's, agreement's in the ether, but soon, you know, we write it down. It still not, it hasn't done anything. Until we start fulfilling that agreement, is it anything? It takes a life. That's what you have to be. Uh, that's why law looks for the tenant for life, create, creates a tenant for life. And that is the vehicle, the instrument, the capacity that we all work through to which then the law manages. It doesn't manage people. That's another misnomer. No one's forcing oh, okay. to do anything, okay? The fact is, is what they're doing is, is everyone has a, an estate that they're supposed to be managing. They're giving it up to the trustees, and the trustees are renting it out essentially uh, to the government, and then the government is using it and getting its agents, which would be the citizens and franchisements, to work the land for them. So that's all... That's all based on, you know, the, the basis of, of, of equity because none of the government or the citizenry cannot be seen in common law. That's for the individual. That's for the human. So they don't deal – in fact, English common law doesn't even deal with man, woman directly. Men and women have dominion rights, okay? That's before any contracts are created. What they've done is created a legal, uh, a legal estate or a land right and then – They've amassed laws around that land right, and then as soon as you form an agreement to an interest in that land right, now you become obligated. And now you're forced to adhere to that obligation. That's, it's, 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 again, it's backwards. We're, we're not slaves. We're not enslaved. We're, we, we're following. We're volunteering by our own actions. And then our own actions are, are, are seen before you know, the court of law and, and other agencies. So would you say that this is, everything is commercial, and we have these trustees that, we're the beneficiaries, and the trustees are supposed to look over your assets, but uh, they're not giving the beneficiaries your asset, they're keeping them and doing other things with them, and we're not receiving any benefits from them. Well, put it this way, Beverly, when, when, when have you gone and talked to your trustee in order to get your, benef- your, your uh, beneficial rights? 
Well, you know, all your beneficial interest that you have right now accumulating, when did you go mm-hmm. and deal with it? That's why. Our inaction is creating the problem. Yeah. It's always. Because, but we don't know. They haven't told us <laughs> how the rules go. They haven't told us. And a lot of us, and, and what they're doing is, too, we're, if we look in our contracts, they have it in there, just like if you buy a house or you buy a car or something like that. They have it in the contract that you waiver your you given your rights. You're giving it to them. Is it in most of the contracts are that's how come they can do what they're doing because they got us to sign these contracts. And we don't know basically we're not understanding, like you say, the law. You want you want me to throw a, a monkey wrench into that as well? Okay, throw it. Okay, throw it. It's not one single contract or trust agreement between yourself and the government. It doesn't exist. Okay, it's all on presumption, because the only mm-hmm. agreement that you have is through an operation of law, not an act mm-hmm. of parties. You start getting into an act of parties means you're not dealing in your totality of your rights. You're agreeing with the rights that are under a group. Okay, so through operation of law, you have dominion. The common law doesn't deal with your dominion, but you do have dominion. And mm-hmm. the sovereign holds your legal estate in trust through operation and waiting for you to vest that legal estate. And so that is the only agreement you have, and it's actually a confidence, it's not really a trust, because you weren't part of that mm-hmm. trust agreement. It's just an operation right. of law that secures your your uh, your right so that when you are of age being the age of 21 you can go invest that legal estate or you can like i said with the what the lords did they sort of circumvented the common law getting a bunch of trustees which were fiafis at the time and they had you know many fiafis split that legal estate so if, again if no one died then there was no uh incidents and warships and everything else to deal with uh with the king that that method in which that they you are now dealing with it oh sorry something caught my eye here flew in the window here i was wondering what heck that was um what, what i lost my train of thought where was i Who, who's holding a fork here <laughs> you were talking about um the um the vesting of the uh, uh the lord um circumventing the common law right uh in order to um uh basically control the the fees or, or sorry they're they're creating fee simple or creating offices or something to to bypass um the common law right I'm not I know sure there was, what you right there was a train that was going you know that sort of fell off and went went somewhere else here and uh, sometimes somebody's got to hold a fork so well, they can tell me that because there's so many different layers well, I, and then, I, I, I would like to know what the word uh for everyone else, what what vesting your estate would be, or vesting your interest would be, like what does that mean? Simply, that means that you're going in and you are taking full settlement. So it's full settlement of that legal estate, which then gives you. Once you vest that legal estate, now you've got nine tenths possession. Okay, that's now it's nine tenths possession is the law. So you've got nine tenths possession of that and all that value which is the legal estate originally that's held in trust and all of those beneficial 
equitable interests that were derived therefrom through its use, would they be returned to as well? Okay, so you're not using, you can use yep. it as a beneficiary. I think that's what I was trying to say. I think that's where I was going to go with that. You can still use it as a beneficiary, okay? You, but, and at that point, you have no right to the legal estate, because remember, that's, that's held in trust, okay? So you have yep. no right to the legal estate. You only have an interest in dealing with the beneficial um, rights of that, of that estate granted to you, to which then if you have ever a problem, it would be with the trustee, and at that point you become the executor and you go after the trustee. So you have all the power as a beneficiary mm -hmm. if you don't, or you're, you know, if, right. these mis if trustees are mismanaging your estate. And that's what they're doing. Because we do, like you say, we, are, we do have beneficial interests. Yes, you, you're you right can, about yeah, that. As, a, as a tenant for life, that's your capacity. So let me just say that is your, your vessel. That's your main vessel, the tenant for life. And mm -hmm. in that tenant for life, you can have any different capacity. It's like, you know, you could be like, you know, at any one moment, you could be a mother, you're, you know, you're, you're female, you may be a student, you'll also be a worker. You've you got all these different things going on at the same time, but you're only playing one thing at a time. And maybe that's also what I was going to speak about, that the common law is a completely different subject matter. And that's another thing. Subject matter and status create jurisdiction. So when you're dealing, and that's why no one gets their, their just rewards in common law. First of all, it's a territorial common law, not the true English common law. But they are um, never dealing with the correct subject matter because as soon as you go to court and you start addressing and commingling subject matters, you know, mm -hmm. uh, based on wanting land rights or a legal estate, and then you bring in arguments of equity, well, you commingle, and then equity overreaches that common law, like it always has, and that's why you get stuck back in equity, and based on your, your, your level of awareness. Mm -hmm. And generally, your status is going to determine what kind of outcome you're going to receive. But your status, what you want to try to do is you can be a beneficiary, which is the key Trust, is a beneficiary, at the same yeah. moment you're also assessed with key use, which is the, you know, is the right to hold the use, which is the equitable estate. Mm -hmm. And at the other time, when you civilly kill, let's just call it that way, civilly death, the civil death of the beneficiary, the process is called reversion. You go right back to your, your primary status, which is a settler, and now you can vest that and settle that trust and have nine-tenths possession. Um, Renee, uh, I'm going to have to let the dog out. She's whining, so take over for me. I'll we just did that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. So, in a nutshell, what we could, you mentioned that the government does not deal with individuals, you say. In terms of uh, they can't see an individual you mentioned. They're dealing with yeah. groups or fiction specifically. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you mentioned that the that government bodies deal with uh, groups and uh, fiction and equity, and they do not see individuals or the or whatever. Uh, policies they're making are not for individuals? Right. The beauty is 
is like the double-edged sword, which is also your nemesis. The beauty is the government, and that's why you're not getting taught what law is and understanding what your legal estate is, because the government has no business, because it only deals with an equitable right to the use of land under a trust for sale scheme, and that's all it can administrate under. That's all it's been granted. The administration of over that land, uh, which they call uh, management of waste. Okay, Waste is whether you build a building or you tear one down. It's the same thing, okay? So yeah. they don't have a right to the law. Only the individual as a life. That's why it's kind of silly, and I used to do it, so you know, I've been guilty of it and also been thrown in jail for it, okay? That, you know, I'm a living man and all that. Well, it's obvious. When you really think about it, you know that. You talk to the judge, he's living. Prosecution, he's living. Okay, everyone in the, in yeah. the peanut gallery is living. And here we are yelling, we're a living man. Well, it's, it's obvious. But the thing is, we're not dealing with the living man. We're dealing with the estates. And that's why it says in the Bill, uh, Bill of Rights, 1688, where it states that the Lord's temporal and spiritual and those of common, something to do with uh, administrate over, doesn't say administrate, but you know, bear with me, I don't have the words with me, uh, the, uh, the estates of the people. So they administrate over the estates, not the people, yes. like I said before. So that's, that's the group dynamic. So... Like, for instance, public health is one single person. So when they say, you know, the V is affecting public health, public health, they're talking about that fictional entity, which, of course, it is affecting them because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's attached to the you know, economy. Public health is attached to the economy. That's one single person that's being affected. Uh, so, so, as I said, government only deals with, with fictions. It doesn't deal with individuals. It doesn't deal with your legal estate, has no rights to any beneficial interest. And that's what makes it perfect because they don't have, they can't mess with your, your, your inheritance, if you will. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, Not to unpack. I know. I, no, one, no one speaks about this. I know it's probably a lot of people you know, on the other end there, you know, checking their heart monitor and going, what the heck? What the heck am I listening to here? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely uh, not you know not what we're what we assume is going on. That's for sure. And, that's exactly. That's, yeah. And you know, and it's again, that I adopted. It's because I kept on letting go of everything. I know I I showed up in courts. I challenged judges. I've been thrown in jail, even a couple of weeks for a psych eval. I've done all that. I've uh, you know. Uh, drove through road stops, don't have a license, all those things. Did commercial redemption processes. Um, and then, you know, sort of swooped in was the idea of equity. And that was like, you know, singing you know, zippity-doo-doo out your asshole kind of thing. You know, it was so sugary and so sweet and the spirit of the law and it sounded perfect. And I ran with that for a couple of years. And then I was being challenged. In fact, it was on Facebook. I was challenged by a guy who says, well, what about the law? I said, what do you mean? The equity is that's all we need to we worry about. He goes, No, you're not even you're not even dealing with your, your rights yet. You're dealing with uh, uh, equity. And equity is a sister, or sorry, a brother, if you will. So it'd be like J C of uh, of the law. So you know, you're not even first you gotta understand what law is and how many people do. I you know, again I can count on my hands, my fingers how many people that I know are really starting to comprehend what law is. It's perfect, like I said. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot more simple than what our minds have made it out to be in, 
when you put it that way in terms of how it functions. Um, definitely. It's uh, there's we 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 tend to think that just generally that they that that governmental body has its fingers tied in everything and has total not total but uh, a far-reaching control over uh, the micromanagement of of daily things and we often think of oh the government is after me specifically but. It's more of like a blanket system uh, rather than an individual one-on-one um, -on -one basis. Correct. So everyone's the, yeah, under that. Everyone's what? Equal under the system because everyone's under the same agreement, and yes. um, and that's what they go to. What's what is what's what's the okay? Everyone that's listening to the phone, okay, or, or listening to this uh, podcast here that everything that you look around right now through your eyes and you're holding or you, you've got or you're sitting in your own house and that, it's, you're just moving things around. You don't own any of it, okay? You are mm -hmm. actually your trustee. And so that's all that government manages in your best interest if you're acting in your true capacity or your true status, which, again, your, your capacity, you can't change that. In fact, it is impossible for you not to perform a duty and power as a tenant for life. You are always that, especially when you reach 21. When you reach 21 years of age, that's when you are officially a yeah. tenant for life and you are responsible for that position. Then you come in as your status, and then that status represents how you are going to purchase things either under a trust or you're going to uh, uh, discharge things uh, through the trust as a beneficiary, or you're going to civilly have the civil death of the beneficiary. And actually, I want to do a little sidetrack. So who's holding the fork this time? Somebody's going to be holding the fork when I do some sidetracks. So i got to you know, get back to where I was at. But the oh, – you, you got it? <laughs> yeah, here we go. The um, – see, I've already – now I've lost my train of thought already from that point. Going somewhere with that. I, I knew I was going somewhere with that. It's going to be interesting, too. Ah, let me think I was going to say that. Ah, why do I do that? I don't know. I got so many things going on. It's going to come back. Anyways. We'll continue with the administrative okay. page 21, and now you're administering your duty. Oh, that's right. I was going to say you cannot – yeah. You're an apostle not perform a duty, but then, of course, your status represents how you're, you do things within the system and everything that's under trust for sale, that's right. You don't own it. You just, as a quasi-trust, are just moving it around. Even the pencil, the, you know, the eyeglasses, it doesn't matter. All of it is that you're just exchanging through promissory notes each, everyone's right to then hold that thing, but you'll never, you possess it, so possession rules come in, but you don't own it in the traditional sense that we speak about ownership. And that's the same with your land, everything. Your, your land rights, your estate is a property interest that you can, you know, if you're a citizen, well, you know, I'm sorry to say it's, you know, it's going to be usurped and, uh, and uh, it's going to be moving to a different estate, but you can be a beneficiary and, like I mentioned, discharge against the estate because you also have the tenant for life, the beneficial status that you can um, discharge 
all of those things that you are using and purchasing under the, are through the trust. I don't know if that's really where I wanted to go, but I think we're probably going to repeat myself a couple of times. Gotcha. Now, so go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, I'd like, I'd like to simplify something here. Is there a way for me to just um, simplify things into like a quick paragraph? Like, like for example, no one owns anything. Okay, let's, let's just say that no one on earth owns anything, but there is a uh, a system set up to deal with the movement of commercial goods or, or matter or property. It's the movement of form and the value put on that form. Is, mm-hmm. is this something like very simple to say is, that's going on and on a very simplistic level? Um. Because it seems like no one owns anything because yeah. no, because nature like runs the show, so there's some systems are put in place to document manage uh, calculate the movement of property of of uh, or a supposed value is that what's going on here okay that's that's a good good question I, and I, mm-hmm. I can see what's that. At, if we went right to the top echelon, let's say you fully settled your, your, your legal estate, okay, that means now you're not subject to English law at all. English law is a concept, right? So it manages land rights for those people that want to hold an interest under English law. There is no, if you don't have anything in English law, so you fully vested that legal estate, now you're not seen under English law, but you can use English law to get others, and that's the beauty of it, everybody's got certain prohibitions and limitations and duties and powers that you can force to do something if they're not performing as they should in your interest. Now, how I come to apprehend this whole idea, now you've got nine-tenths possession, now you would go and claim land, but you would claim land not in the traditional sense of you know, through using a trust or using uh, currency or value, you would claim land in the interest of taking it out from English law. So the idea there'd be no meets and bounds, right? It would be all the, all the system, the English law system would be your borders. But you, your land interest would be completely not in English law. Now, you don't need to hold it in the sense that you, you're protected by law, and, you, and here's the other thing, the government doesn't have to protect you from their, their, their group. So you would start, you would have a land interest completely outside the system, but you would also not control it in the sense of if we went back to natural law. So the idea is the more people that would vest their legal estate and then go and claim land, the more land we claim, Okay, and, it, and it's perfect now because we have all this, this tech and, and free energy and, and uh, we, have, we have everything that we'd ever dream of, take care of everything for us, that when we grow exponentially through the 
vesting of that legal estate and then claiming land and pulling it out from English law, then through osmosis, we get larger and the government gets smaller. Therefore, they remove the burden from government to administrate over the use of that legal estate that we've never taken care of. So on the top echelon, there is no real ownership, like I said before, and when we all behave, which we will, I'm sure, if we get, I mean, everybody's evolving in consciousness, that, and we don't need the money aspect of the thing, and we don't, and we got all this, this tech to take care of, you know, AIs take care of things for us, and, and robots, and all that kind of stuff. There is, and we've got unlimited wealth in as much as that we settled our legal estate, then there's no more war. There's no more battle. That's the utopia. There is that. But it's really hard for someone to manage because they have all these different belief structures. You know what? My best analogy is this, of, of how we have been set up in as much as our beliefs and, and how, what they, how they impact us. Essentially, water is water is water. It doesn't matter whether you go through temp temperature modalities, like you, know, uh, you go to a gas, a liquid, or solid. It's still water. Water will always be what it is. It will not ever change. It is the amount of impurities that you have to take away from it to get it back to its pure source. The same thing with gold. You don't, you know, how, how is gold um, gold? It always is. It's just that you remove the impurities to arrive at it. That's where we are at. The same thing. We have everything. We got to remove all the impurities to get to the truth, to the source. And that's beliefs. Beliefs are impurities. All the beliefs, all the world beliefs are all impurities. So we have to quickly, not quickly, but the best way of our ability is to realize, as I just, the analogy I just used, you know, water is still going to be water and gold is still going to be gold, is that we got to have the confidence and the trust in ourselves, and that's the only trust that really exists in the world, to trust in ourselves to let go of all those things that we've learned and then we arrive back who we always were. Gotcha. Okay, now, now, from my understanding, and, and you're right, but we're dealing, again, we're dealing with corporations and how they pulled us into their corporations, which is all of this in our system is a banking system. And so when we were born, they took our birth certificate, which is a bond. And this is when they took it and put it on the market, because here it's all about bonds and, and, and securities. And so this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a banking system here that is, has, they're making money off of the people. But they're not letting us, they're not giving us any of the profit. So they're making the money through the securities, the bonds, all of that. This is, here we have, it's ours is under a total a banking system. We had the bankers that came on, we call it Turtle Island. I forgot how many it was. They came, they got together, they put this system together here and, uh, 1933, and it was before yeah, then, something like that. But yeah, and so we're under a banking system, but they never taught us 
about law and, and things. So most people, we don't have a clue. Our promissory note, those are securities. So they take our promissory note, which is every application that we fill out. That's why everything has to have our signature. And so our signature is the gold. They took the gold and the silver away from us in 33. And so, but our that's why we got a sign for everything. With our signature, they take it and they take our applications, which is our promissory note, put it on the market. They got the primary market and they got the second market. And they making goo gobs of money off of it. But, but we're not getting any benefits. They want our trustees and and whatever they are, they won't uh, give – if they would share with us, it starts with us in the beginning because of the signature. They won't share with us. So that's, to me, where the problem is that it's a banking system. Is it, well, is it – are the – is anyone – a good question is, is that anyone obligated to share with us their knowledge or wisdom? Like, is there, like, some universal law no. that tells us, you know, they, I mean, there's a lot of things I know and you know that mm-hmm. are, that only come to experience that you have no obligation to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's, that's what I think they're thinking. That's what I think they're saying. We set this system up. We're using your signatures, your goal, your, your metal, you know, um, but um, we don't have to share with y'all. We set this up. We we put this together. But but my thing well, is, you know, if you be fair, they couldn't put it together without us. Well, the thing is, is, is that there are certain levels of understanding how reality works and how nature works okay. and how knowledge and wisdom works. And and okay. again. I don't feel it's that we're obligated. I mean, we can, and there may be benefits, but I don't feel that we're intrinsically obligated to to divulge all of our understandings of reality to the whole world. I mean, mm-hmm. we could, and there may be some benefits to that or not. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people in this machinery, and some know some things and some know little, and some know lots, and we don't right. know who knows what or anything. So uh, we don't know what sort of conditions they're dealing with in their personal life or non, non-disclosure or certain ways that they've been edu- educated or taught or beliefs or some sort of uh, system of rituals or understanding that they may have that we don't have. And uh, again, David made reference to a good point is that uh, when we're dealing with groups, we're dealing with fiction. And so when, mm-hmm. so when you say hypothetically you know, that, hey, they're not, they're not helping us understand or they're not, they're not they're doing it mm-hmm. to us, well, who's the us? Is, is that some sort of idea of society in your mind or some, some large family or some group that – that that you think you belong to, and that's that overrides your own individual, uh, you know, natural consciousness. So it's yeah, that's what that yeah you know from our we, we, schooling or training. Totally. Or. <laughs> I, 
I feel on on our end, we you know that we have opportunities in each moment to expand our understanding of of the nature of reality and place our attention anywhere we want, whether that be on you know watching uh, cooking uh, videos on YouTube or gardening or flying an airplane or meditating or on or on other worlds or finding out the secrets to the universe you know uh, that are hidden uh, or that are not hidden but just not re- readily uh, looked at and and um, we but often want others your... to sort of show us things uh, without us really yeah, sticking our foot in the, in the deep depending. end of the pool to see what's really there right yeah and so that's and that's what it is we've been miseducated we've been looking outside of us for the answers that are going within but most people are saying well how do we pay they got us in this situation or we got us however you want to look at it and how do we you know what do we do we got bills to pay we got you know and that's what most people is trying to figure out i think it's it's just a matter of Again, I could be, you know, way off here. It's, it's a matter of, uh, ed, I guess, becoming more aware of what one is dealing with in any aspect. Okay, if, if I'm watching movies, then it'd be good for me to understand how movies are made. That way, I understand what I'm watching. If I'm mm-hmm. living in this body, hypothetically, then it would be good for me to understand how this body works because I'm living in the body. If I'm living in a world full of uh, legal laws and money and finances and blah, 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 then it may be good for me to, you know, research that and understand what I'm dealing with. So it's, it's really more, from my perspective, about wanting to understand rather mm-hmm. than, hey, I want a solution to my problem. Because what if that problem is not really a problem? What if it's just lack of understanding? And you're absolutely kind right. Of, like, like, I'm not trying to be a devil's advocate, but I, I think there's... No, but you're right. Us wanting to understand has a, has a lot to do with it. You know, you know that, Bev, that we're all distracted by strip clubs, by what's going on, what sports on TV, what's, what's going on on the NFL or whatever, right? Like, you know, who knows what people are distracted by, but we're, but we're just not necessarily putting our, our attention up where it really is uh, of a higher priority, per se, in terms of our, our well-being. Um, do you, what about you, Dave? Do you have anything to say on, on, on where we're placing our attention versus someone doing something to us? Yeah, I, you know, everything you said was right on point. The fact is, it's, it's staying with the Roman Colosseum. Why was it built? So they would keep the subjects busy while the senators discuss how they're going to rule everyone. Mm-hmm. These same things happening here, but we really got to get to this point is that if you are, let's say you join in university and you're in, in, in year one, well, you don't expect to already have all the information of what year four is. You've got to realize that where you're at is going to only be a reference point to find out what it is that you are wanting to, to, to learn. And we're all, I get the point. There, there's so much pressure right now because things are starting to fold and, and, and start to be, the carpet's being pulled out from underneath us. And we're seeing everything's come stricter and tighter and our, our rights are getting taken away. And the fact is, and here it is, it's not your rights that are taken away. You have them. 
What's been taken away is those estates that the government has no more interest in because it can't, its lease is up. See, it's selling mm. its interest. It's like a landlord-tenant agreement. The lease is up. They've got to, they, they're, see, they're strict on the law. I'm, I'm saying, you know what, I'm, I'm saying to people that at the top, they're like chess game. You, wherever you go in the world to play chess, it's always the same because it would be, if it was any other way, you're not playing chess. The same with the law. It's always the same when you're at, when you're playing, when you're in within the law, it's strict, it's absolute, and that's where your power is, but no one is there. And again, the government doesn't have any interest in your mm-hmm. legal or your equitable benefit. They're receiving a mm-hmm. rent off, if you will, off the beneficial interest that you have, and, mm-hmm. they're, creating, and they're putting that value back into your estate, into your trust, but you're never there. You're not creating bills of exchange. Mm-hmm. You're, not accepting, right. you're not accepting things. You're not, you're not being a proper accountant. You're still being a ward because, yeah. yes, you weren't, you know, you weren't instructed, but the instructor in University 1 doesn't going to teach you what's in Module 4 of Year 4 because that's not his interest. It's not going to confuse It's right. not going to nothing. The beauty about the system is, is everything's segregated. Your subject matter is protected because it's in the common law, and that's for the individual. That's the English common law. And it's separated through a trust. And that trust, now, rules of trust apply, to which means you have a beneficial interest, you have more power than the trustee. No, you don't mm-hmm. have a right to legal estate, but you have that power to execute that, that equitable interest against the trustee at any one time, but we're not doing that. Now you're dealing with corporations. Corporations have zero credits. When you talk about all these people with all the money and they're taking all the money and all that, they have nothing. It's fiat, it's fractionalized currency, right? They're taking your credit, your beneficial interest, yeah. you're, you're creating the credit, and you're fractionalizing it nine times in order to devalue that credit but disperse it around the corporations. And who are the corporations? Yes. Citizens. Yes. That's, that's what what's doing. happening. Yeah, but no, that's, that's what we're doing. We've got to get our heads around this. No okay. one's doing You know the end of uh, so Wizard of Oz? No. Wizard of Oz. Brick your heels together. You have yeah. always had the you always had the power. We just, we just we didn't don't know. I know, because <laughs> there's no way to teach us. I get it, and that's why the exactly. Lord, all that, you know, they got all their laws of inheritance, and you know, their primogenitures and their the bloodlines and all that. They know all of that, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like we're all fighting for the scraps here in the corporate world, but at the same time, we protect our own families the same way. If you got something that, you know, everybody else wants, you're going to protect it. See, that's not any different than they're doing. We're all doing the same thing, but we don't like being on the bottom. And if you, you're not at the, the moment you're at the bottom, is the same moment you're also at the top, but you're never yet realizing that. You know, click your heels together, Dorothy, and you're already home. See, my problem mm. with it is, my problem with it is that if they were doing this, Without my signature, you know, I was like, okay, you're doing your thing, but you're using me to help accumulate this wealth and all of that. That That's where I have an issue at because, you know, if you go and, and look and, and go on the, you know, 
Fidelity and all them other places, the stock market and look up the CUSIS number and, and all of that, you will see what they have done with certain things that you have put your signature on. It's worth millions and billions. And you're sitting here uh, working at a $20 an hour job, barely making ends meet here, where they just took your signature and just making all of this off of it. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of spiritual ties to that, like in terms of like how we ourselves um, within what we call reality, what we think we are, what we Mm -hmm. observe ourselves as, what kind of power do we think we are? Like we, Mm -hmm. we may say, I'm a human who has a soul or a human who uh, is, uh, has a mind, but our first point of identity is being a human. And, and then so then let's define what a human is. Is it a mortal being? Was it an immortal being? Can it die? Can it, what is the function? What is the limit? What, like, we don't even have, you know, a lot of us haven't, haven't defined ourselves, uh, haven't looked, sorry, have not looked at our own definitions and, and, and ask ourselves, is that definition, what is the consequence of believing that definition? Like, what, what does that do? Because if I remove the belief, or there, if, I, if I remove the definition, what's the difference going to be? So I think we have certain ideas about what we are, and, and those ideas are, are misguided or or nonsensical, or not the truth. And perhaps believing that untruth or that nonsensical idea puts us in a state of ignorance in which we don't understand law, in which we don't understand the world around us, because we've, we felt fundamentally we, we've already uh, mis, uh, I guess, misidentified or created a false identity of some story that makes us appear to be weak. Like, what if the story of being a human is just a story of weakness? Because what if in actuality we are infinite creators that, that, that can create mm-hmm. infinite worlds? So just yeah. just by believing that, that we're a human to begin with, already creates some sort of delusion in which we're going to blame others for our mis, uh, our misunderstandings or our perceived deficiencies. When, when in actuality, we already... Uh, are beyond all of these stories. And I, it kind of comes down to what Dave was saying, is that if we put our attention and interest into the world of fiction, then that world is going to seemingly impact, our, uh, impact us. As much like if we believe that we're human rather than a spiritual infinite being, then that spiritual, then that world of humanness will impact us because we will put ourselves at that level. So I, I, I feel that this financial world is a mirror for the spiritual world because if we understand that we are spiritually, I guess you can say, or fundamentally, I should say, already perfect, already whole, already infallible, then all this bickering about life and all of its problems and all these alleged uh, uh, you know, things that need to be fixed, all 
all that's irrelevant uh, because we will just see through that false narrative that we've taught ourselves based on uh, based on not really understanding what we are on a fundamental level. Um, so it, it seems as though there is a mirror between understanding what you are in law or above the law, per se, in one sense, and understanding that, hey, spiritually, these bodies and these stories about these bodies uh, is not really what we are. That's, that's also a world of fiction because it's not like you're a story. Like, there's no way that you, Beverly, are a story. So if we think we're a story, then we're going to be bound to the world of stories. And, you know, who knows what those rules that govern that, that world are. But one thing we know is it's fiction, for sure. So we have basically bound our own minds to a bunch of ideas and stories and identities that we swear are real. But have we actually looked at those stories, at those identities, at those beliefs, to actually examine them one by one to see if they are real or not? And I think that's where there's a big schism between um, ex- exper- experienced reality and just um, conceptual reality. You know, because some people, they just think and theorize what they are based on what they've read or what other people told them, but they haven't really looked at, at, the, at these words, at these stories, at these ideas, and, and actually see if these stories and words and ideas themselves are even true or real to begin with. We all, we all talk about our beliefs about the world, but no one's talking about if beliefs themselves are even real to begin with. So we're, we're all under the assumption our, our own beliefs are real, but who's out there dismantling the actual idea of what beliefs are to begin with? Because if beliefs are just a phantom in our mind, much like if we're on the beach and we, and we create a sandcastle, uh, what is that sandcastle made out of? Is it actually a real castle or is it just sand? Is it just imagination built up in a temporary structure that will wash away in an instant as soon as some water comes along. And so that structure never was real. It never was solid. It never was the real thing. Just like how we can dream at night and dream of other worlds and have conversations with people and go places and do things in that other dream world, and then we wake up in the morning and we're, and we're like, whoa, all that was in my mind? Like, my mind literally created a whole world, a whole universe of, of high, detailed reality that we were convinced was real when we were in the dream. But now that our eyes are open, we're like, whoa, that, that was just a dream. So if we know our mind can create infinite reality that appears to be, you know, vivid, then what is, what is stopping us from applying that same concept to this very moment right now? It's really just a bunch of images in our mind that, that we're giving meaning to. And it's the meaning that we apply to reality that, that creates our, our, our definition of what's going on. So I think if we start to pay attention to the meaning that we're applying to every moment of life, uh, that will show us what we're creating because 
we have obviously a meaning for every moment, uh, and that's going to be our memory or our sort of idea of what just happened. So uh, really taking responsibility for the meaning that, that, that we're giving to things uh, really makes a big difference because if I give meaning to a contract that has no value, then I'm giving life to fiction. If I'm giving meaning to words that are empty, like a politician or some scammer uh, saying something, then I'm giving life to a, to a lie or a scam. So how and what we give our meaning to, I think, is what, is, is what we're giving life to. And if we're giving life to a meaning that we're a victim or that we, are, that we should be told how things work, then we're not really going to take the initiative to, to take responsibility for the meanings and uh, for, uh, for the source of power of our entire reality. So I think that's really, we really have to look at the source of power of our personal reality. First and foremost, before we start um, coming up with ideas of who should tell us what and why and what they're doing to us and how they're scamming us and so on and so forth, because, I mean, we lie to ourselves every day. So why is it okay for us to lie to ourselves, but when someone else lies to us, we, you know, you bring hell upon them. We're like, oh my God, you're the devil. Oh my God. So the the glaring discrepancies between what we participate in and what we seemingly uh, allow from others is, you know, is is pretty pretty clear that we bias ourselves in in favor of uh, of taking responsibility for uh, the words and stories and ideas. Uh, including our own identity that we choose to believe and focus our energy on. So just wanted to throw that in there. I know it's quite uh, complex what I said, but it, I think it really has a, a mirror in that financial world because I'm just mm-hmm. – what you're saying, Dave, is that things already things are already pretty much settled in, in terms of uh, how law operates in equity um, and what it's – what its limits are in terms of what its function is. It's, it's not, it's, it's for us to really examine uh, the whole system and, and, and see where the true power is. And the true power is us. I mean, without and that's just true. your life, your aliveness, right? It's just, that's energy, that's power, that's electricity. That's why uh, TV commercials advertise to us because we have something they want, energy, power. So, yeah. Uh, what, what does this uh, all have, say about our power, Dave? And and also, Beverly, uh, you know, like, where where does our personal power fit into all this, Beverly and Dave? You know what? Go I ahead, think <laughs> the better. I know, okay, and I always, you know, brother, I always, I always hang on your word because I, you know, you really do have a, you know, a good concept of our are getting to know the self-proximity, which is one of the aspects that, that I find very important is what I do additionally to, uh, to give more power or recognize the power. The power is already there, but to recognize that power is to be 100% responsible for everything that's going on. I don't say anyone else's fault. That is one of the deepest or one of the toughest things for us to do 
our egoic sense doesn't want to say, well, that's not my fault, this is not my fault, that's not, and we got all these fingers pointing out. The fact is, if I take 100% responsibility, now I can do something about it. And once you imbibe that, you can see how things change in front of you. You then start taking that power back. Now, I could further go into the analogy of how we're looking at things and how I, I see you looking at things, Beverly, and I believe me, mm-hmm. I fully get it 100% because I went through commercial redemption, you know, uh, commercial redemption processes. I've done the freedom, the sovereign, mm-hmm. done all yeah. that. The thing is that when you and you have three other people and you're going to sit down for that game of Monopoly, are you still bringing mm-hmm. all your beliefs, all your emotions and everything else, and even to the point that you can come upset when you lose a piece of property, you, get a, you land on the wrong thing at the wrong time, or somebody's sitting there waving their hands, or you come across you know, their boardwalk or, or park place empire, and you are praying that you don't land on it. That's what, and then you bring that emotion into it. And that is the excitement of the game itself. But at the end of the day, that game is not you or has anything to do with you. You're just a participant for that moment. You get up after that. I mean, let, let, let's, the, the entirety of the system is the same thing as Monopoly. There is no different. You're there to bankrupt your neighbor. The more debt notes you hold, the less somebody else is going to hold. That's what it is, okay? It is the game. It's Monopoly. And I'm going to go into that because I use an analogy of that because I think it's very relevant in that when you're sitting down and you want to play the game Monopoly, you have succinct rules. Now, you can play by those rules. That would be equivalent to the common law. That would say, here's the agreement. It says right here, you try to do this. Uh, you know, the census is, by what it said, you're wrong. Okay. Now, you're in play, okay, and somebody says, you know what? Why don't, you know, because our risks are a lot higher now every time we pass go, why don't we incrementally, you know, uh, go from 250 to $300? Now, has that anything to do with the common law? No, because the common law says 250 when you pass go. So now you're thinking making new rules. That new rules now create an equitable or an equity agreement to which then you can't go to the common law, the rules, in order to solve the problem mm-hmm. if along the game you're having a, an argument. So you need an arbitrator or someone. And that's what a judge yeah. is. Judge Oh, here it is. You guys changed this rule at this time, and this is what you did, and now somebody's balking at it. And even if the majority say yeah, and you said no, it's still, and you didn't collect, you know, let's say, that's another way of looking at it. Let's say the three said yeah, and you said no, and you kept on collecting 250. Well, each time they're going around to collecting 300, then the next time 350, and you're still, well, you're going to lose. Okay? Even though you say it's unfair because you're going to stay with the common law, they're going to keep on going with the agreement they made because, you know, mob rules. They, democracy, right. there's democracy right there for you. Right, you're that's gonna, democracy, yeah. There it is. So you're playing Monopoly. Everyone that's listening to this call right now is playing Monopoly. Guaranteed, 100%. Yes. Okay, yes. You're, not, you're not standing up from the game because you don't know there's a game for you to stand up from. That's essentially the problem. I'm telling you right now, absolutely unequivocally, you are, have more power than the Bill Gates, the Fauci's, or the faux pas, if you want to call them the Trumps, it doesn't matter. Jeff Bezos, those guys are holding more debt. The billion dollars Elon Musk holds, that's a billion dollars of promissory notes. 
on behalf of the system. He's just amassing more in the game. That's all he's doing. I got more in the game. Guess what? That means how many more people can get bankrupt? How many people are going to lose? You're playing. Well, that's the name of the game. So when you step in your true power, you take 100% responsibility by letting go of the fact that, hey, I'm playing the game. I got lost into it. That's okay. Hey, dust it off. Now I'm going to return to who I really am, which is always there. Gold is gold is gold. Water is water is water. It is always there with you. Just got to let go of those beliefs. No one's hurting you. No one's harming you. You're harming your own self. You, there is no trust with anyone else. The trust you have, you keep on saying, well, I, didn't, you know, I lost trust in you. No. The trust is always originating from you to make that decision whether you should trust somebody. <laughs> See, It's always you. It's always us. We have to go to self-proximity. We've got to go to who we are, take 100% responsibility. And when we do that, we click our heels together and we return home to where we've always been. Well, uh, let's let the audience in. We have some hands raised. I want to ask some questions here. Uh, let's see. 706. Two. Hotep and better love, Sister Bell. Better love, Hotep. Hands up, Renee. And, you know, yes. very, very, very interesting topics. And, you know, and we understand this commercialization, what what we're under is commercial law. But are you familiar with Sir Francis Bacon, the Bacon Rebellion? If you're talking to me, um, I'm, I've heard of that. Yeah, I don't know. Who, who are you, you talking to? The, they in Canada. They're in Canada. Okay, and 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 what Bacon did was he was here when the colonies were being set up. And what he's used is the knowledge. Is, there's an excellent piece you can find that says, The Knowledge is Power, Francis Bacon's Theory of Ideology and Culture by Ramirez. And what he talks about is the whole, uh, the Novum Octum. And that that deals back with even dealing with Canada and and coming out of the out of the colonies of Britain, and all of that system, the Novum, because that was Aristotle. And what they did was it's the law of nature, and you you've been hitting on it, and the law of human and nature. He created what's called the four idols, and the four idols that deal with it is is that that's formulating the four idols, and the the idol of the tribe, the idol of the cave, the idol of the marketplace, and the idol of the theater. Those four idols is what they, they formulated with this country because even in the Bacon Rebellion, that was the part of what happened to create them putting into law white people. That's what it came from, the Irish and the Germans and all the, the indentured servants, along with the Native Americans and the Africans that were in captive. They rebelled against the crown. And what they did in that rebellion, they had to say, okay, we're going to give you, because you look like us, we're going to give you a little more power than those that don't have the color like us. And we're going to put into law saying that white people have the right to do this and white people have the right to do this. And so, and what they did was, in the concept of them creating this ideology, what they did was, is about what is true knowledge. 
and the difficult part about it was, and there's an excellent book too, in the the emergence of the of the scientific culture. The emergence of his name is uh, G A U K R O G E R, and the book is called The Emergence of Scientific Culture. And what they did was is seeing how all of these different cultures, from Aristotle up into to, to, to basically what we're talking about now. It had to do with how do we take the mindset of disconnecting the man from the law of nature and putting with the law of man. There was a case here in this country called the Amistad, which was the the case that was before the the Amistad, which they made the movie about. But the 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 antelope case was the argument that slavery was against the law of God, and the Supreme Court's decision was. Yes, slavery is against the law of God, but not against the law of man. Man created his own laws in saying what was the captivities and what would be the thing, because in him creating what he did with these idols, he created the marketplace when he was talking about that. He created the money. He created the way to use the money and the people that would have to come to them to get the money. And this is what we're looking, this is what we're talking about, commercial law, because in the part of commercial law, it has to be established. You're traveling on land, and in traveling on land, you have to have a port, which is a post office. Post offices are ports. That's why you have to send your documentation through and and through the, the post office, because that's part of the commercialization of taking it off of, of of the off the sea and bringing it to the land, because even when 2015, when the Pope came and spoke before Congress, they announced him by gavel that the Pope of the High Sea. They call him the Pope of the High Sea, and he's over with the golden. You're right, the gold and silver key. Yes, yeah, so, so it, it, it sounds like the uh, sounds like you're talking about the above above as as above as below, like the as the spiritual. Basically, there is a creation of a system that was the opposite of of nature, like yes. basically an anti-natural system. Right. right? Because so yeah, because yeah. there's cosmic, cosmic it's the world law. of fiction, the world of fiction, right? right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so what this ideology is, is they created the idea, if we have the knowledge and we only give them certain parts and say that you owe us this when we're, and we own this, you don't own that because by law, no man on the planet owns the land. We're just put here as being energy that, that utilizes a vessel because there's universal law, cosmic law, nature's law. Man is the last mm-hmm. part of creation. And these are the parts in which you do because everything that is provided that we need comes from our Mother Earth, anywhere on the planet, basically. The thing that we have to understand is how do we give someone authority who's created what is called commercial law? That's what it's called. Because even when you look at talking about being a citizen, you've heard of Bouvier's law, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we heard Bouvier's citizenship yeah. with the small C as opposed to the big C. 
all of this is this whole whole concept of what the crown and all of this done. It came all the way back from what they 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 brought from Rome when what they stole from the people of Kemet and what came before that. Sure. Well, I mean, wherever it comes from, one thing we know is that it's it's uh, basically an inversion of nature. It's basically an opposite of the natural flow of of, of reality per se. So uh, there's another uh, school of thought that's that says we live it in the now in this in a in a constant new refreshing unlimited state of being okay we we're, we're we're there right now but there's this these lords of illusion they're called the lords of the past they've somehow learned to uh, telepathically uh communicate with our consciousness and they are suggesting that that there's something called the past something other than the newness other than this nowness and that you should look over there to see what's over there, but what's over there is more valuable than what's here in the now, and it's more valuable when it's here in this new moment. So this 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 uh, consciousness creates an image of somebody, like like a physical body, and then it creates a whole false past, a whole false history of you eating food, going to parties, watching movies, getting girlfriends, what you know, just a whole life, a whole fake life. And it's and it's bombarding our, our mind with this whole whole false fake life and fake false memory that never says anything new, never shuts up, doesn't want to change, can't change, afraid of change, diabolical, narcissistic, freakazoid memory. And 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 that and, and that that's trying to present that to us as who we are and where we come from. So, so we completely ignore the now or don't even see the newness or see the magic of what's actually happening right now. So, but we have, to, we have to actually believe that memory and say, yeah, that's me, in order for us to get trapped in that world, which is what we call Earth and this whole diabolical system here, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so... When we when we identify with something that we're not, like the past, when we actually are the now or are the newness, then we're going to see something the opposite of how it so should be. So, the natural world is the world of newness or the nowness, whereas the artificial world is the world called the past, where we have a a, a memorized identity, memorized idea of the world. It's memorized. So if it's memorized, it can't be natural. So it's a program. So the past is a program, and the now is freedom from that program. So that's what allegedly the masters are trying to teach us. Hey, get out of the past, because that's the world of knowledge, the world of, 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 of things, the world of identity, where our mind is trapped into unchanging form, whereas the present moment is unlimited. So we're not trapped into any form at all. We're basically formless and therefore cannot be trapped. It, is, it has been said that the devil can only trap you if you have an identity or where, he knows you're, or where he knows you'll be next. Because if we have an identity or an addiction, then, we're, then we are predictable. And therefore, we can, our, that, that, that predictableness can be used uh, you know, symbolically to, 
to identify and trap and create a system of uh, lack versus supply, and a whole sort of uh, mental illusion. Anyways, point point being is that oh. our true identity is basically here in the in the present moment, and, and and there's some basically some theory that there's some hack in our mind that is that we're that we're sort of being attacked from the past somehow. That's not even real. So are you saying, Renee, that just say right now, I, I'm just discovering that I'm in mm-hmm. a, a simulated um, board game, a monopoly. Now, I got yes. the power to figure out, okay, I don't want to play this game anymore. I don't have to keep going around on that board. So right now, I can figure this out how to get yeah. off well, out that game. Well, well yeah. yeah. Well, first, first of all is, first of all is, is noticing that it's a game because if we think it's real, then we're going to treat it real and we're not going to like loosen our grip upon that idea. So we need to like observe without any preconceived notions, opinions, or beliefs. That way we can observe clearly. Once we start to observe what is happening in this moment, literally, not just by some memory, but actually looking, then we can start to see patterns. And these patterns that we're going to see are patterns that we, our own mind, our own imagination, is continually creating moment by moment. And these patterns have a message. Some of the patterns say, I feel lonely. I need a, I need a you know, soulmate. I need someone to hug and hold at night. Or I need more money, or my legs hurt, and I need I need some more medication or surgery. Like these patterns of thoughts and ideas will will be seen for what they are as just mindless concepts that are pointing towards separation. Okay, and this and this separation is an illusion. It's something that's not happening because nothing in the universe is ever separate for even a millisecond. I mean, is is one minute ago separate from right now? And and who's counting? And where's the wall? Where who, like where's the where's the edge? There's no edge. Not even between you and the wall, or you and the the dust in the air, or whatever. It's all happening in the same space. So there's there's no separation. There's basically a movie presented in our minds moment by moment, telling us of a world of separation, telling us of a world of the past, telling us that there's a world of non-change and a, a world where, a world that you can't even interact with. I mean, no one can interact with the past. They can't touch it. They can't see it. They can't taste it. They can't smell it. There's no interaction with the past by anyone ever in history because, first of all, there is no... <laughs> There is no past happening right now. There's just a newness unfolding right now. So there never was a past to even come up with the word past. Like, I don't know where the world even came up from because it never happened. So there's just an idea. We're, we're, we're so powerful that a mere idea of something shows up as what we call reality, as, as interactive reality. Just the idea of something shows up as interactive reality, full color, full sound, full sensation, just a thought, okay? That's it. So if we're thinking in a way that's the real, that's the opposite of true reality, 
then we're going to be experiencing a reality that is the opposite of, of the truth. And it's not going to be fun because the truth is absolute bliss and magic beyond comprehension. That's the truth. So if we're not experiencing that, then we're going to be experiencing the opposite of that, which is going to be absolute hell because we're in an unnatural state of perception or consciousness or something. So by, by observing what's happening, we could, we could, by the process of elimination, which was what Dave was saying, is to, by removing the impurities from our mind, we could start to see the world for how it really is and see ourselves for how it really is. And so we have to attack every part of our memory and belief system and absolutely shred it to part, I mean shred it as in dissect it to see if any of it is true. I mean, we have to look at, at, our, at, at these thoughts and ask ourselves, are thoughts permanent? Are they solid? Are they tangible? No. Are beliefs permanent? solid, tangible? Can I touch them? Can I taste them? Can I smell them? No. So then how could we sit here and obsess about these beliefs and thoughts and treat them as real solid objects when we can, when we can in any moment notice that they're intangible, they're not permanent, they're, they're like vapor, there's, there's nothing to them. There's no substance to these thoughts or beliefs or even memories. There's no substance. There's, there's, what are they made out of? Plastic, rocks, you know, you know, clay, they're made of nothing. They're just, they're not even here. So we have to start to be more presently here to observe what's, what's real and what's unreal. Because the more we focus on the unreal or on the past, the more the unreal will seem real. And the more the real will seem unreal. Because, because we're, we're basically acclimatized to that, that frequency more. So it sort of blocks out other frequencies. So, Did I say? So, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was, and you kept using the word now, and it's very yes. important because words are power, and the part of that that word that you're projecting in the now is is that I look at my now is that I own what I've won now. That's all that, that those three letters make up that those three different words that I say. I own me. I've won, and I, as I, long as I stay in now, because today is the day before tomorrow. And the thing is, is tomorrow is a day that never gets here. So today is the now that I own this day, and I own it because I've won my now. And if I can stay focused on that and stay balanced with this in nature, because nature's law says that this is all it is, is now. Everything in nature yeah. knows how to stay in its frequency. Yep. It's natural. So out that word now, you got own and one. one. Well, yeah, one and, 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 and NWO. Like for, for me, I see NWO as, as an actually – an invitation to enter, to live as, not just live in newness, but live as newness, because that's what we are. Every moment of nature is 100% brand new, 100% moving, shape-shifting, and it's never the same thing twice. That's all of nature. That's all reality. So we are never the same thing twice. So we are, we have no identity. And so that's, that's total newness. That's, 
that's the unknown. And that's, that's when we let go of repetition in our mind and embrace life as it is, as it is, with no, no memory to slow you down or to confuse you. And, and, and that's total newness. Like, like, like when we were children, right? It was all about new, everything. The newness was so fun. Everything was just so amazing. Yeah, because we really so lived we are. in the now when we were young, when we were children. I have someone else have their hand raised. Uh, 843610. Greetings. Greetings. Spread love. Greetings. Okay. Great. Well, um, my question is, from what you're speaking to in reference to the nowness and how um, – because of programs and belief systems going back to when we were children, coursing through our veins and all of that. Uh, what is your training or application that you did to get you to this place? Because just like what you're saying, there's a trust, you know, things have been manipulated for at least the last 200 years that brought us to this now, you know, with all our inheritances being, you know, infiltrated and used by other individuals, but from what you're saying, and we see it every day, um, people become financially successful in a better mindset, a better place. So what is your practice in reference to staying in the now and creating things for now, you know, that propels, you know, because it basically expands. I'm going too far, but my original question is, uh, just have you used or do you use or recommend to uh, get us just to deal with now and looking forward instead of looking back and then that program play? Uh, I would say, from, from my perspective, <clears throat> that to see the value just... I'm not sure how to phrase this, but to make the truth, whatever that is, however it looks or whatever that is, the truth and honesty, one's number one priority and focus 24-7, like no matter over everything, that will set one up in a state of resonance where that becomes a priority. And what we focus on is what we get more of. So if we're putting our focus and energy on absolute truth and honesty at all costs, like you just tell the universe, I, I surrender all like knowing and just say, bring me the truth and honesty in any way you possibly can. I'm totally willing to let go of anything I need to in order to experience this. And your reality, because you are the source of it, will conform to that a will, I guess you can say, and your world, your entire world will start to reveal the truth of itself in every as, uh, aspect, not just what you, you call a financial, commercial sense or day-to-day life sense. I'm talking on every level, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, uh, on, on, on every way. And so life just becomes one giant um, kaleidoscope of change as this change destroys all programs, all false ideas, all uh, attachments 
to repetition and to false identity that one has accumulated. One of the issues is that we spend our life accumulating uh, opinions, beliefs, and ideas, and we're not taught to, and we don't have the inclination to learn how to unbelieve something or to uh, unmemorize an idea. So our mind is filled more and more each day, each hour, whatever you want to call it, with more and more ideas that we have no idea how to uh, disassociate from or to let go. So this information ends up being like a, uh, a sort of a, a dam, a wall that builds up within our consciousness in different sort of areas of our consciousness. Uh, and, and this wall becomes very heavy. It's almost like holding a, a glass of uh, a can of Coke in your arm, uh, arm straight out for the next uh, four weeks. You know, after half an hour, your arm's going to start to get heavy, like, holy, what's going on here? So as we hold on to these new ideas and accumulate new ideas, our mind, and our soul, our perception becomes weighted, heavy, distorted, confused, um, lacking uh, lightness, lacking joy, lacking uh, the ability to be flexible in the way one sees the world. So it's basically information overload that we are dealing with because we believe that the past is relevant when it's not. It has no relevance because it's not here. It never was here. And, and there's no way that something that does not exist can affect something that does exist. So that the, the present moment or the now does exist. But the past does not exist. So there's no way that this non-existence of the past can affect the newness of the now. It just, it's impossible. The only way it can affect us is if we turn our attention away from this newness nowness or this change and put our, our focus upon non-change. And that would be opinions, beliefs, and memories. They don't change. They, they just don't want to change and they, they're not interested in change. So if, as long as we're harboring beliefs, opinions, expectations, um, beliefs, Anything that we are attached to, we will favor that over newness. So we have to embrace newness on a level to which our child does. Basically ignore our memory, ignore the past, because it's, it's a, a false world trying to trap you in a false reality. So this whole world of Earth with all this money, shenanigans, and life on here on Earth being as, as a separate human being, this whole entire universe is an illusion. It's not that illusions are happening in this world. The whole world is the ego. Basically, our whole world is a mirror of our soul, per se. So as we think we're lacking things spiritually, we will project that into the physical world, and we'll go in the physical world and try to remedy that. Well, because I feel lonely on the inside spiritually, I'm going to go out into the physical world and get a, get a wife or get a husband because I feel lonely and I want to, I want to solve that loneliness. Uh, or, you know, that's what's going on in this world is whatever spiritual deficiencies we have or think we have, we're out there in the physical world trying to solve it in a physical way. So that's what this whole world is, is a, bu a bunch of lost souls trying to figure out how to become whole again. And a lot of these souls 
don't have the ability to create energy anymore, okay, or any imagination. So these souls have figured out ways to basically uh, steal that energy or extract it from others, per se, in, within this dream world, okay? So they devised money systems to basically convert spiritual energy into what you call physical dollars or the idea of currency, and then they can use this energy on their level because they can't use the spiritual energy in its raw format. So they have to convert it to a, a monetary level, which is of a lower vibration, and then they can use that for their own purposes because they don't have the ability to create it themselves. So, but we are voluntarily giving our spiritual energy away. So, so when we do this, we create the world of separation in which there'll be other people or the appearance of other people there who will appear to be taking energy away. It's all happening within our mind and, and there's no real realness to it all. It's really just a, our, an adventure in thought. So with certain ways of thinking, certain results will happen. When we think in, world, in terms of separation, then we're going to see a world of separation and we're going to see ourselves as a character in that world. But if we start to remedy that idea of separation and actually look with our, our own eyes and see that there is no separation, that, that this whole idea of separation was just a, a false reality, the whole world merges into one again. And basically the, the individual mind of the individual human goes away and the, our mind sort of uh, becomes the mind of the whole universe. So you're not really, in, you're not a human anymore. You're basically the whole universe in, in ecstasy, uh, having infinite adventures that, uh, that it's not really affected by in any negative way. So it, it's just a different paradigm completely. I have so, uh, another hand raised. Bev, can I ask one more question, please? Yes, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, please. Oh, okay, so, so basically what you're saying is being that we are where we are now, belief systems and all of these programs, whatever, script, you know, theater yeah. of the mind, yeah. the best way to reboot and all of these things is basically as new experiences or experience happen, we should ask ourselves questions in reference to these things to bring us back to the question of, is, is this truth? I don't consider this as truth. Show me, show me truth. And that way those old programs, meaning that's what you say to yourself, when those thought forms or belief systems, whatever, pop up. And you know that's not truth because you've seen it before. So that's what you're saying is constantly uh, communicating with yourself in reference to these things until there's nothing but newness, so to speak? Yes, yeah. The newness is, is really the no identity. See, the, the, the appearance of repetition in our lives in any way or format comes from one main first repetition. And that one first re- repetition is our current identity. Like if I say my name is Renee, that's who I am, I am Renee Hamilton, that definition governs all other definitions in your reality below it, okay? So that's the, that's the top of the pyramid right there. I'm Renee. And then everything comes below that. So if I say, um, if, I, if I see the world as, let's just say I'm racist against one race or another, that belief is going to taint every, everything I see in my entire reality. 
So if I believe that I'm a solid human being with solid physical bones and skin, I'm a solid individual, then that belief in me being a, a, a solid entity is going to make me see the, the entire rest of the universe as a solid, unchangeable entity as well. If I have an idea and I, and I, and I, an identity as Renee, then every day I'm going to say, hey, I'm Renee. Every day I'm going to have the same identity. Therefore, my entire reality is going to look the same every day because I myself am saying I'm the same person every day. Like when, when, you're, a ch- when you're a child, you don't have that narrative in your mind saying, oh, my name is Renee Hamilton. Okay, I, as, as a child, you're like, whoa, I'm just imagination. Like, I want to imagine I'm on Mars. I want to imagine I'm Superman. There's a, my, I'm going to put a little, the pillows and, and uh, bed sheets in my living room and, and build a fort, you know, and it looks real to you because your imagination creates reality on the fly, on the fly as we go along. But what happens if that imagination becomes caught into repetition? Then you're going to create old repetitious realities that aren't changing and then we're going to believe those to be real, and then we're going to get caught in, those, in, that, in, the, in that repetition. But it really, it's just imagination that, that, that we can unlock at any moment by seeing it's all made out of imagination. Reality is made out of imagination because, because you have to imagine. You have to think, imagine, visualize, you know, whatever you want to eat next, where you want to go next, who you want to see, who you want to talk to. It's just one big infinite visualization. And so we have to just take notice at what's actually happening. It's not hidden. It's just that we're not paying attention to, to what we're doing. Because basically, we are, we are we're life givers. We, we cannot help but to give life. We are, we're, we're like an infinite ocean of light that gives life to everything that we pay attention to. That means if I pay attention to fear, I will give life. I will really animate the fear in my mind that will seem like it's physical reality. If I give my, my attention to love, that will grow with my reality. I'll give light to that. Anything I – doesn't matter what the thought is, how negative and weird it is, how beautiful and magical it is, whatever you pay attention to, you give life to immediately in that instance because you are – we are a pure life force energy. We're not – it's not filtered. It's straight, absolute, full power energy from source we are that, and whatever we're doing contains that and is that. So there's no filtering down. We are, we're literally source, and we imagine, hey, what, what would it be like to be separate from myself or not myself or not whole? And it, in that instant, we, we had some imagination of what your body looks like right now. Boom, and then you just showed up in that. You basically embodied that imagination. You basically embodied that. That's why you don't remember being born, because you never were born. You just showed up as this image. That's why when you go to sleep at night and dream, you're not born into that world and have to live a whole life. No, you just show up in the middle of some scenery, and you do your thing, and then then suddenly you're just gone. And when you're in that world, you're not thinking about your physical body. Hey, what's my body doing over there? No, it doesn't exist. It's a non-issue, man. So at most, we spend maybe half our lives... uh, as humans, another half is some dreamy, you know, imagination in some other reality. We don't even know what's, what's, what's going on. So, so basically, we just have to watch 
watch our minds and see what we're creating with our imagination in every moment. And then we will see how, how powerful we are. Let me let this. Okay, thank you, uh, Eddie. Let me let this, uh, let's see, 347 Hey, babe, I didn't press one. Hey, you didn't, why your hand is showing? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Oh, um, okay. Good, good show. I'm listening. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay, um, uh, I don't think we have any, have any more questions from the hands that's raised. So, um, David, I have a question. David, so what is your solution to what this that's going on? If you just break it down to short. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you didn't use the word simplistically. Uh, you know, break it down simply because, you know, even though it's taking me a long time to get here, but the idea is that the the gates unlatch, as I like to say it, and just waiting for the door to be kicked open, and it's right on the precipice of that happening. So solution-wise is to be, like I had mentioned before, and as Renee has alluded to, because this is a spiritual journey at the, at the end of the day, is to get ourselves to realize that it is, it is only going to realize the full effectiveness of the now is by our ability to let go of things the way that we think things are. The more that we let go of all of these, all world, the world is a fiction of law. It is the entire, it's the matrix, if you want to use that word. It is for us, it's a playground. It's the game board. If you're willing to let that go and realize, you know, this thing that I'm thinking I'm owning, this thing that I'm possessing, this thing that I, those are all belonging to the game board. Now, once you get to that point, you start, you start in, um, developing the power. I mean, let's face it, the entire system is based on scapegoatism. It's like you know, you're always trying to put it to someone else or put it to another thing. As soon as you start retrieving that, you're not giving power away. You're actually now imbibing it and becoming that powerful being that you always were, but you were sort of distorted because of the impurities being that they are beliefs. Now, where do we go from here? Well, that's the process, to let go of everything. That's what I used to do every night. Let go of, hey, whatever I learned today, let it go. If it's true, it will remain and, and uh, I will learn to open the conduit. I'll, I'll open the vessel to allow new information to come in. We then should go to what the law is. Let go of ideas of equity. Equity is great. Equity is great and has its position. But equity is only going to get us to the point of us being subject to a trust. We've got to comprehend that there is a trust. The matters that we want to deal with is all through an operation of law. Now, I'm going to throw in the warranty. The warranty that then secures your, your, your inheritance, your right, your legal state, and everything else is called the Settleland Act 1925. Now, when you go to it, yeah, a lot of people say, oh, it says England and Wales. It says, okay. You've got to get your, again, that's another illusionary boundary. There is no boundaries. If I walk across the border, I'm only, you know, uh, five, well, we call it kilometers, but probably two and a half miles. 
or so away from the border, there is nothing there. Okay, the land on that side is the same as land on this side. That's the illusion. We have to realize that the that our security and our our essence of who we are has already been protected and if you went to the Settle Land Act 1925, it will have nothing to do with the United States, nothing to do with Canada, nothing to do with Australia, nothing to do with the world. It's going to say England and Wales, but your true power, said the common law, is the English common law. In fact, the Act of Settlement 1700 said the birthright of the people is the English common or the English law. That's your birthright. Nothing to do. You can't be protected in the United States or Canada. You've got to get rid of all of that. That's the monopoly game. Your true birthright is English law. So it's protected through the Settle Land Act 1925. That's your warranty. When you get there, it is not subject to a trust. It is the, it is the moment where they create the powers and duties of a tenant for life, and that is who you've always been since you were age 21. And then when you realize that you are the you how to execute the tenant for life and then annex that to a status. Again, if you want to start with beneficiary, that's fine. But it allows you to use that act and go into court and only deal with that act. And as soon as you commingle any aspects of American law or commercial law or you know, ecclesiastical law or anything, you're going to commingle and then you're going to be thrown back into the mix again. The fact is you've got to be able to, like we just talked about, that you know, you gotta be able to separate who you really are from what it is that's appearing to be so. It is all of division, even you know, color, race, creed, and male, all that division is made uh, in order to keep us distance from our true power, and that true power is already secured through the warranty which is not subject to a trust, and that's your power. Now, I know, again, when I speak, it is going to be convoluted to the level that that person has discovered what law is. Now, I, maybe many of your listeners have never even challenged or even thought to think of what law is. The law is perfected in as much as that it, if you come back to the idea that you always had the individual power, and the law protects the individual power. And as soon as, and this is a good, a good measure, as soon as you are interacting with an entity, then that entity means that you're trying to create something through an act of parties. And as soon as you create an act of parties, means you're not dealing with the individual operation of law. And to me, Blackstone's commentaries, you can, yes, I'll tell you what, the verbiage is going to be difficult. In fact, I would get rid of the preface, you know, altogether because I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's old English. But, you know, you go through book one, book, you know, book two and everything else, and it's in sequence, and you just start reading and look up every word. I'm telling you what, I am not a learned man by any means. It, I had to look up every word. That's what Black's Law Dictionary now is other dictionaries mm-hmm. are great. Look up the dictionary, you look up the legal definition, and then you start, and then, yeah, the first couple pages, you know, for me, it was extremely difficult. But every time I learn a little bit more language, a little more language, 
And that language to now is that when I read anything, I already know where it's coming from, who said it, why they said it, what it's got to do with, what subject matter, what status, where they're going with it, how they're going to arrive. That's the power you have. And I hope, well, I don't even like the word hope. I, I never, I don't like it because it's, it's another misnomer. Uh, I wish that um, everyone that's listening embarks on that journey, which then fully secures exactly what they've always and always been by discovering what law is. And you're going to have lots of interference with people saying, you know, what about this, what about that? If you start become the foundations of law, and I said you start reading Blackstone's commentaries for one, um, you can go through, if you can stomach some of my videos, you know, uh, um, I didn't edit anything, I mumble through a lot of things, maybe don't enunciate words properly, but I just felt compelled to just get it all out, and there's still some more to continue, but to get it all out, and then I will edit and do things appropriately so that it's logistically you can follow it from the history and how we got here, what acts that have got us here, and where we become confused. But the beauty is, there's only one act that we're ever, ever interested in, and that's the Settle Land Act. When you really come to that fact, all those, the Sesquiki Acts of 1666, 1540, um, you know, the, the Statute of Uses, Act of Settlements, Settle Estates Acts, all of those things, all lead up to where you are fully secured, and you're fully secured in that position as a tenant for life, and that's where the duty and power is discovered. And if you get to that point, you, like everyone else, you are the law. When you go in the court, you are the law. Not the court. The court doesn't. The court interprets what you bring in. You are with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody, now, okay. Uh, Give out your, uh, we're getting down on time. Give out your YouTube channel again. Could you spell it for us? Yeah, it's N is in Norman, Y is in Yo-Yo, C as in, what's a good C word? Cat. Charles. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Charles. Edward, Tucky. E as in Edward, I as in ice cream, M as in mother. And then the the next two words are sui juris. Now, I'm sure a lot of people know what that that is so sui juris, but you can also you know Google it English law series. I have probably the only one that probably has that catch, you know, phrase, and it goes through the best I can, you know, uh, just goes right from the history and explains how we got here and where your power is at. Excellent, excellent. And, and Renee, repeat yours again, please. Yeah, yeah. it's an uh, inner soul. It's basically short for Inner Soul Technologies. So it's Inner Soul Tech. That's www.innersoultech.com, innersoultech.com. And then uh, you can also type in Inner Soul Tech uh, in YouTube. And uh, you can reach me on Facebook. It's Renee Hamilton, R-E-N-E-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N. And then you'll see the nickname Star Child next to my name. And then you can go forth from there. So you can always reach me on the, on the website as well, on the contact page as well. And, uh, yeah, definitely uh, look forward to hearing back from, from you for sure. And, uh, Dave, uh, 
thank you so much for taking the time to re- reveal this amazing information that's just been gifted to talk, you know, in a, in a way that uh, can't be grateful enough, for sure. It's just definitely so much research done in, a, in an area that none of us are even paying attention to for the most part, right? So I want to thank you so much for that. Well, thank you very much for, for uh, entertaining the idea of putting me on. I know it's, uh, it's new language, but apparently, as the universe is always willing, it, it allows those gates to open for listeners to, hey, you know, are they ready to, you know, embark on something different? And where we never embark on is, is the subject of where our power exists. That We think we know, but, you know. We, we needed to just sort of try to maybe get to that roadmap that really is saying where do we need to go and understand where we are fully secured. And, uh, you know, I thank you for hosting the show, uh, Beverly. Um, well, thank and- you. I appreciate you and Renee uh, for coming on and enlightening us with this information. This is, this the beauty is perfect we, timing. We have, that's the beauty. The beauty is... Uh, we've, at this age, when we feel so powerless, the fact is it's opposite, and that's the, that's the, I don't know, the the dynamity of the the entire concept is realizing that we have way more power than anyone in the world, but we're equal once we're above it. Yeah, irony is is beyond comprehension. Really, it's just mind blowing. And I felt that uh, the last half hour of you speaking. Um, uh, starting around 8.40 or so, uh, a lot of the concepts that you're talking about started to get become a lot more clear and you sort of put it into just a little more practical sort of way. Um, so I really started to resonate uh, on, you know, conceptually speaking, you know, uh, right right towards the end there, really things started to become a lot more clear. So it's, uh, it's definitely... I. I could see how stepping stones need to be taken to understand what's all going on here and uh, really put it into place within one's own consciousness. So I'll definitely take a look at all your material for sure. Yes, and and again, uh, thank you. I appreciate both of y'all coming on here, sharing this information uh, with us. And you know what? I got one more. Before we go, they don't want us to go. I got another question here. I'm going to take it before we leave. 773-895. You have a question? Yeah, sorry about that, babe. I got to get yeah, your yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, what's go going ahead. on? Hey, greetings to everyone in the panel tonight. Oh, wow. I appreciate this, Um, the information Um, that was being put out. Just a quick question. You probably are already answered already. Um. Make sure I word this right. So, um, the perception. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Eddie. Wait a minute. This thing I want to let the listeners know. Just in case we go over, you can listen to the rest of the show on the telephone, and the phone number is three two three six four two one five eight six. Um, so we got a couple of minutes, but we're going to go over so you can hear it on the on the uh, show. And when you listen to the rebroadcast, you'll be able to hear it, too, there also. Go ahead, Eddie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Derek. <laughs> That's okay. 
No, I'm going to make it real brief. So um, the perception of a quote-unquote diet of what you're eating, does that really affect your consciousness or it's just another, I would say, illusion or faking a bad diet has something to do with a, a lower vibration or higher vibration, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I missed one crucial word. You said does, uh, does something of a god is for God, but I didn't hear what the word was. Like you, would you say? Oh, I mean the per- with the word the perception of of eating. Does that affect your consciousness, or it's just it's just a thought? If that if that makes any sense. Eating? eating? Yeah, eating. Like does that does that affect the food that you put in your body? Right, right, exactly. Yes. Oh, consumption. Consumption. Uh huh. Got it. Okay. Uh, Does. Does uh, paying attention to uh, deity or source or higher vibe, you know, blessing the food with higher vibration, does that make a difference? Is that what you mean? No, it's just what what you're eating or the perception of what you're eating in general. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about eating bad food affects your vibration. Is that necessarily true or is just the uh, the thought of it? Uh Okay, it, I guess it's a bit of both. Okay, so mm-hmm. when we believe that we are an individual, we are subject to the laws of, I guess you can say, uh, individuality of some sort, uh, uh, vibration. The law, you, you basically enter a different vibratory realm where certain vibrations are now very vivid to you. So... Um, so I guess you can say that if you believe that you're, you're, that you're an individual and, and you believe that a strawberry is a strawberry and a, an apple is an apple and you have all these sort of definitions in your mind already laid out, um, then you will be subject to those definitions because you have mm-hmm. those as sort of templates for your existence. So if you think that sugar is bad for you, Beyond you know beyond sixty grams a day or whatever, and you start packing three four hundred grams a day, because you believe that you're going to be subject to your beliefs because that those are the rules, that's the programming that that one is set up. Whether one knows it or not is the definitions and the meaning that we apply to the definitions. That is the hidden matrix that rules our existence. That that we can't see. It's basically like an operating system that we don't know that we created, and we have to look at our mind in every moment to sort of start to see the the the, the sort of programming that we have created within our own mind. Certain thoughts about beauty, about finances, about mm-hmm. revenge, about you know, you name it. This, this the whole shebang, man. So we got to look at that, and that's that whole programming. That's our world. It's it's not that we're in a world. That is our world. Like like the programming is the whole world. It's not that we're humans 
walking around in a world who are being programmed, the world we see through our eyes is the program. So if the world included, Earth is not a planet. It's a dreamscape, and it's made out of suggestions, like 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 uh, the round. The Earth is round, and that's a suggestion. And uh, apples, uh, one apple a day keeps a doctor away. Well, that's another suggestion. All these things are just mental suggestions that we create uh, a story out of. That story is our operating system of what we think is possible, not possible with the rules, limits, conditions, barriers, boundaries of our world is and what we are, what we're not, is that all that's one giant operating system that we moment to moment are playing out whether we're aware of that operating system or not. So my suggestion is to really start paying attention to the mind, what it's saying, what it's doing, what the repetitive thoughts, ideas, stories are, and then we can see that anything that repeats more than twice is a program. And then if that's a program, then what what exists when that program is not there? Because that's going to be the original natural self. Just like when we were children, our, we didn't have stories about ourselves, about the world. We, we were just part of the, the natural environment. And our mind was free to explore anything we wanted to. We weren't even human at that point. We were, we were still consciousness or awakeness, uh, sort of, uh, experiencing infinite dimensions of sound, of sensation, of color, of who knows what other realities, other other beings, and slowly we were we were suggested, hey, you live on Earth, you live in Chicago, you live here, you're you're a girl, this is your name, this is your age, this is your mom, this is your dad, and all these things were just repetitively ground into our mind, and there was no way to avoid it, so. You know, we all have become programmed, and that's for damn sure. So we have the responsibility now, if we want to, to unprogram that, that which has been added to us. Because we all were born with infinite imagination, so we all were automatically infinite and free. Something tried to replace that infinite imagination, something called beliefs, that these beliefs are never showing anything new, never say anything new, they don't want to talk about anything new, they're totally closed-minded, they're judgmental, they're narcissistic, they're liars, they're, they're just crazy. They come with all sorts of hopes, dreams, wishes, conditions, rewards, punishments, expectations. Be- beliefs are just madness. They're just crazy. So we need to look at the operating system where we're using it and, 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 and revert back to that which, is, that which came before the beliefs, which was what we were born with, hypothetically speaking, if we were actually born. But that would be imagination. Imagination is never bound to anything. It has no particular identity. It's not like your imagination is, is any one thing. It's just like a notion of whatever. So just that's how you were when you were a child. You were an ocean of being, and then suddenly someone told you who you were. And if you look at your own beliefs and your own memory, your own memory and beliefs tell you who you are, asking you who you are. They're not even trying to give you the freedom to choose. They're telling you, like a tyrant, this is who you are, that's it, there's no way to change it, you're, 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 you're done for, that's it, like your, your, your destiny is already created. And that's a lie, because we are creators, we're not followers, we're not repeaters, we're not slavers, we're creators. Right. So we need to step into our role as creators, and by doing so, we need to okay. take a look at what we're creating, first and foremost. 
and we need to be observant and become masters of observation, and then we can start to create responsibly. I'd like to add something with that. It's a good uh, overview mm -hmm. and a great explanation there, Renee. And it was from with a uh, prophetic dream I had. So it was the conscious awareness while you're in the dream. And I was flying in into this spot, and there's this great white Buddha, the statue, just all glimmering and everything else. And the voice came out and it said, behind you is a bunch of goblets with water in it. Choose the most purest. And I just automatically replied, and I said, I can change it whenever I want and make it pure. And at that instant, I just elevated in the dream to another level. So it is exactly the, even the idea with the commercial redemption, all this commerce, everybody's doing something against us. That is the illusion. It's the game. You're, we're stuck in it. And uh, when we realize that we always held the power, that is only going to be simulated the more impurities, I call them, that we remove, which is, like I said, gold is gold is gold. You get to it by removing the impurities. What's your beliefs? What's your beliefs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that the same thing as just like they gave when people give you a story and you can believe it or not too, just like they told us about the pandemic and the shots that they were given and and the shots was going it was killing it, people and and all of that it, it, it's kind of like if you get a computer that's brand new, there's nothing on a hard drive. And you tell that computer that this image is a bird, and it's spelled B-R-I-D, okay? And this is a dog, and it's spelled this way, and this is what, it's, this is what it does. Like, and you just add these definitions to a blank computer. And after 14 years, you got this giant database of definitions, okay? And, and these definitions never change. So it's basically just a rearrangement of these same definitions in different ways, and we say, oh, that's my new, that's my day-to-day -day reality. It's the same definitions rearranged in different ways. There's nothing new. There's no – so the, my, the, the narrative, okay? Now, think of – if you are pure energy, think of, of all your energy being directed towards that, those words, those ideas, those stories, how much energy – is directed towards that in a whole lifespan, let's say 80 years. Let's just say a whole life is directing its energy towards the ideas that you put in their head. A whole life. That's a lot of energy. That's just one person, okay? So think of that hypothetically for billions of people. Think, think of that, all the direction of energy into this pre-programmed stories. That's a lot of energy being directed toward these stories that, that are just random stories. We have no idea what, what exists outside of those stories if, if we don't look, okay? So what if we look outside of that story and see a whole universe 10 trillion times bigger, more magical than we ever could imagine? But as long as we don't look outside those stories, we will never know. So we've got to look at the programming in terms of what we've been told is what. That's a bird. That's a, that's a, a Maserati car. That's a dog. That's a building. But what if what we're looking at is actually something beyond that story? What if it's something so amazing, so magical, that that story is literally a false limiting lie that we're now accepting as the truth 
And that's, that's for everything because all of our definitions were given to us. It's not like we, we sit here all day and night and create new whole languages on our own. No, we don't. So we got to look at the very structure of the concepts and the ideas that we were taught and they're programmed into our mind and, and then look at these ideas, look at these stories, and look to see if there's any truth, any logic, or what is this system being taught to us? What, what are we not seeing? And just, just look at these definitions. If you say, uh, my, or I say, my, my name's Renee, and you know, so-and-so age, blah, 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 this is just a simplistic story. Like, there's a lot, there's an infinite amount of years of experience, there's all sorts of crazy experiences that cannot be defined. So any definition is, is, is ridiculous. And we basically have been taught to believe definitions and put our life force into those definitions and literally live those definitions, those definitions in a sort of a holographic mental reality. And that energy being generated by these definitions, by these stories that our mind is regurgitating moment by moment, this energy is either uh, being used by us in a, in a creative manner or we're using this energy to create false realities that are the opposite of being creative. It's an uncreative state where we, where we don't even recognize who we are anymore because our true self is a creator. So if we're, if we're in an uncreative state, then we're not recognizing what we truly are. And by believing things, we're always in a non-creative state and so we don't recognize that we are creators while we, have, while we are believers. Only when we start to become imaginers, then we will realize we are creators. And our imagination, we were born with, hypothetically speaking, so that was our natural state. So we just need to get back to what we naturally are, perfect. Everything was already solved. Everything was already taken care of because you didn't actually exist as a limited human being. You, you existed as all of nature itself. You were already whole. You were already perfect. Individualism was suggested to you, and we, and we accepted. And now we're living that illusion, and now we need to get back to reality. All righty. So, yeah. Okay. So, well, thank you. Um, and thank you again, uh, Renee, and, and now David, um, can you give us someone say that they couldn't find? Did you say English Law Series? What, what did you say your YouTube was again? That's a good question. Dave's not here, but Dan is here, and so oh. hang on, second. I need my piece of paper. English Law Series. All right. What, what was? It is, it is yeah, I'm sorry, the English Law Series, and mm-hmm. it's Nicem Sui Jury. So it's oh, um, okay. so November Yankee. That one. Yeah, okay. November uh-huh. Yankee Tree, Echo, India, Michael, and then Sui Jury, S U I S. Okay. J U R I S. Okay. All right. Got you. All right. Well, thank both of you. Thank you, Renee, and thank you, David Higgs. We appreciate y'all taking the time out to uh, spend with us this evening. Look forward to talking to both of you again.
Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. All right. Better luck. Yeah, thank you. Well. And thank you.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.